Doc Talk is brought to you by Merck Animal Health. At Merck Animal Health, we're shaping the future of animal health with pioneering science, connected technology, and insights-driven solutions to bring our customers an unparalleled portfolio of choices to improve cattle care and operational efficiency. We support you and your legacy by helping you meet the challenges of today with the innovations of tomorrow. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson. Thanks for joining us today. Dr. Aspen Workman, Dr. Brian Vanderlei are gonna join us here in Lincoln, Nebraska. We're gonna talk about BVD. We're gonna talk about gene editing. We're gonna talk about BVD resistant cattle. Thanks for joining us. We'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson and I am here with Dr. Aspen Workman and Dr. Brian Vanderlei. And you can see behind us, we are here in, in Nebraska uh, at the University of Nebraska where, where this is Husker country, right? Dr. Vanderlei is an associate professor at the Great Plains Veterinary Education Center here in Nebraska. Uh, Dr. Workman is a research microbiologist at the USDA Meat Animal Research Center in Clay Center. And, you know, it's just been an unbelievable working together between the University of Nebraska and USDA in Clay Center between GP Beck and, and Mark, right? Those who everybody knows, Mark and GP Beck. And, and, um, this is this is really fun for me because the work that you've done and and what you're doing is is going to change our industry i know it and um very thankful and so we're going to get into this and talk about some of the things they've done with genetics to produce a bvd resistant bovine and and uh it's incredible um but brian kind of walk us through why bvd is bad now bvd has been a problem for a long time uh bvd is one of the most important viruses that we fight with in cattle because it's uh, most kind of got a bad name because it's bovine viral diarrhea virus, but it actually is a highly immunosuppressive virus. So when we think about respiratory disease in feedlot cattle or pneumonia in young calves, uh, that's a big driver, uh, that immunosuppression that BVD causes. So it, we've been working on it for a long time. Um, the, the first reports have come out over a century ago, and there's a, been a long history of uh, people in veterinary medicine trying to find solutions for BVD that whole time. So we see um, a lot of vaccine use and a lot of testing, a lot of expense, and then uh, the estimates of economic loss associated with BVD infections in feedlot cattle are significant. Yeah. Even worse when cattle are as valuable as they are right now. So Yeah. And kind of the Trojan horse, right, is that persistently infected calf. And how does that interplay with this? Yeah, so the persistently infected calf is a unique thing. It's we don't see that happen very often. In fact, I'm not sure it happens anywhere else in nature, does it? Um, uh, so these calves get infected when they're in utero. They're in the cow uh, shortly after the cow gets pregnant, and that calf's immune system is trying to figure out what what's self, what what's me, and what's outside. And at that point, the immune system is getting rid of all the stuff and all the parts of the immune system that are gonna react against that calf itself. If BVD shows up right then, BVD gets recognized as part of the calf and the <laughs> calf can never get rid of it for the rest of its life. And they turn into the typhoid Marys. They shed lots of virus out of essentially every, every secretion, every, everything that comes off of or out of that calf is full of virus. Yep, and, and you said that what, you know, our current tools today 
to kind of take care of it has been vaccination and and testing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so the testing and vaccination are successful. They work. Um, they have challenges associated with them. Uh, one of my favorite USDA NOMS studies shows that uh, about 4% of U.S. cattle producers test, cow-calf producers test for BVD infections, but 67% of them actually vaccinate for them, which tells me that most producers view it as a problem their neighbors have. So, right. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, that means a third of them aren't getting vaccinated. Right. And then those are the ones that come to my feed yards. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's take a break. When we come back, more with Dr. Workman and Dr. Vanderlei. We're here at Nebraska. We'll be right back after these messages. DNA Dialogue is brought to you by Igenity Beef, powered by Neogen. Beef producers are subject to a lot of risk and volatility in their operations. When we think about the longevity of an operation and the profitability of a modern beef operation, it's largely dependent on the productive life and the economic drivers behind the cow. Oftentimes a genetic condition or a genetic mutation corresponds to an undesirable phenotype or a calf with a negative economic value. That calf is not as profitable or has some sort of characteristic that is discounted amongst the rest of the animals in that calf crop. Genomic testing allows the cattle producer to determine whether that undesirable phenotype is caused by an environmental or managerial condition or if it's controlled by uh, certain genes or certain variants. When a producer tests their bull battery for genetic mutations, it allows them to manage problems before they even exist. Folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here at the University of Nebraska at Lincoln with Dr. Brian Vanderlei, who's an associate professor at the Great Plains Veterinary Education Center and Dr. Aspen Workman, who is a research microbiologist at the USDA Meat Animal Research Center, and kind of talk me through what the, the, the terminology and the processing, this, this gene editing, genome editing, uh, you know, what, what does that entail? Right, so this new technology that's become recently available is called gene editing or genome editing, um, or you can sometimes hear it called CRISPR editing. Sure. And really, this technology is really exciting because it allows us to make very specific targeted changes in an animal's genome to try to get a new and desirable phenotype. So um, BVD, kind of like all viruses, needs to get inside of a cell in order to replicate itself and cause disease. And the way that the virus gets into the cell is that it recognizes this specific protein on the cell surface known as a receptor. And this receptor kind of serves as a doorway that lets the virus come inside of the cell so it has access to the, all the resources of the cell in order to replicate itself. And so it's like the virus has a key. So it interacts with this protein, it can unlock the door and get inside of the cell. In our case, we were using this new gene editing technology to make a very small, precise change in CD46 in the gene that encodes that protein so that 
the protein is still expressed on the cell surface, so that door is still there, that door is still functional, but it's like we've rekeyed the lock. So now when the virus tries to interact with that protein, it's like it doesn't have the key, and so the virus can no longer use that doorway to get inside of the cell and cause disease. So we're trying to use this technology to make a very, very small, precise change in a single gene to effectively block BVD infection in cattle. It's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> okay, so when you say we're doing something with the genotype to have a phenotype, you're saying you're doing something with the genetics inside with That's the cells right. to have a desired outcome or appearance or immune response, right? That's absolutely correct. Yep. And so um, I guess one of my questions is, because this sounds, I mean, it's how long did it take to do something like that? So in our case, we already knew which was the receptor that was required for BBD infection and work had already been done to, they knew the exact residue, so the specific place on CD46 where the virus interacts. So that took years of research before we even came into the picture. Um, and then we collaborated with a company that specializes in gene editing. So we collaborate with the company Excelligen. And then the actual process of making the edit, once you know the target and everything, you know, doesn't take that long, they can, we can make an edit in a cell in about a month, but then you have to take that through producing a live animal and so right. that, that can take. So one of the questions then obviously, is this gene deleted um, in the wild already? Are there some animals that have that or is this just something that, that none of them have it? So what's special about this is that we can use gene editing, you don't, in conventional breeding, yeah. what you want has to already exist in the population, right. right? And with gene editing, it doesn't have to already exist. You can introduce something that doesn't exist in nature, and that's what we did here. This is an, uh, a change in that one particular gene that doesn't normally exist. So then, nature. if this animal or animals that you do that to propagate, then they could pass that genetics on to the next generation or potentially. Yep, that's right. So it's made, they have this change in every cell in their body. And so it is heritable, it will pass on to the next generation. It absolutely blows my mind. And it, folks, if you haven't ever looked at what they do at the USDA Meat Animal Research Center and Great Plains Veterinary Education Center, I mean, this is the hub of animal health research in the United States and in the, the world. And it is an absolute gem uh, for all of us to be proud of and for y'all to do this for us, for our industry, for veterinarians, uh, just remarkable work. So when we come back, we're gonna get into talking about specifics of the animal that they uh, produced that is resistant to bovine viral diarrhea. You're watching Doc Talk and we'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. I'm Dr. Dan Thompson with Dr. Brian Vanderlei and Dr. Aspen Workman. Dr. Vanderlei is Associate Professor at Great Plains Veterinary Education Center. Dr. Workman is a research microbiologist at the USDA Meat Animal Research Center, and we are in Lincoln, Nebraska. As you can see behind us, we are at the University of Nebraska. Um, just a beautiful facility, beautiful campus, uh, unbelievable curriculum. So get a chance, swing through Lincoln, a uh, lot to be proud of here with what y'all do for animal health, production, animal uh, performance, meat, everything that has to do with cattle. Uh, UNL has been central to, to a lot of it. So we want to get into talking about the production of this animal that is resistant to BVD. 
this 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 heifer. So talk about where did it start? I mean, where I mean, you started talked about the CRISPR and the gene deletion, but then after the you know after you had that figured out, what were the steps that you did to to show that this was going to work? Yeah, so we really took a stepwise approach in trying to see if this edit would really protect first cells in the laboratory and then a live animal from BVD infection. So we started by just taking cells that are typically grown in the laboratory for studying BVD, and we first made the edit in those cell lines. And so then we can characterize what is the impact of this edit on susceptibility to the virus in the laboratory. Yep. Because then we can test a wide number of virus isolates um, from BVD is there are two main genotypes of BVD. So in the lab, we can test these cells against both genotypes of, of the virus against all the different subtypes of BVD that circulate um, in the US and begin to kind of characterize what's the impact of this edit. And then once we felt really comfortable in the cells in the laboratory that this edit is giving a phenotype that we expect and that we would like to transfer to an animal, then we took the, this technology to try to um, apply it to creating an animal that actually has this desirable edit in it. And, and, and what were the next steps, Brian? I mean, you there's, got that. There's a couple of really important things when we, when we do any kind of genome editing like this. We want to make sure that we don't create unintended consequences. So there was a, a tremendous amount of effort put in um, by some of the other members of the team to make sure that the edit happened exactly where it was supposed to happen and that there was only one. We, we didn't want to put a, a bunch of copies of the edit into the genome of, of this animal because we, we would get other kinds of effects if we did that. So that edit was was confirmed through whole genome sequence and so they looked at, at ginger the animal out, out here from the end, one end of her genome to the other made sure that the edit was in the right place it was on both sides of that dna strand so both copies were good and then that there was only one so after that then the next part of the the process to to see if we can get a live healthy calf and that part was it's pretty interesting. There's a, there's a lot of reproductive technology that goes into gene editing. There's um, the whole gamut of things that we would do in normal bovine production today. Anyway, there's uh, technology like IVF and cloning are pretty common, even in commercial animals. So a lot of that stuff has to happen. And we ended up with a, an animal that is uh, healthy by all the measures that we can, we can get. And she's uh, doing really well, even today as almost a two-year-old. To take those stepwise approach in vitro and then produce a calf. That that's a lot of work, folks. And uh, so so thank you for explaining that. When we come back, we'll talk about some of the tests that you put Ginger through, right, uh, to make sure that it worked. Uh, and we'll talk about the future of this this technology. Incredible stuff, Dr. Vanderlei, Dr. Workman. We're at University of Nebraska Lincoln. We'll be right back. Hey folks, welcome back to Doc Talk. Dr. Dan Thompson here with Dr. Brian Vanderlei, Dr. Aspen Workman. Uh, Dr. Workman is a, a USDA meat animal research uh, microbiologist, and Dr. Vanderlei is associate professor uh, here at GPVEC, Great Plains Veterinary Education Center, associated with the University of Nebraska at Lincoln. Um, if you've been to the Academy of Veterinary Consultants or been at NCBA, you've seen Dr. Uh, Vanderlei uh, speak all across this country on, on bovine health um, and the research that they're doing together. Um, just 
really, really incredible. And we're very thankful you took the time to spend with us today. Um, let's talk about what we did with Ginger then um, after she was born and, and how you tested to make sure that she was resistant to BBD. Yeah, so I, I can address that a little bit. The, so just to clarify, I don't think we've talked about this yet, but Ginger is the gene-edited heifer that has the edit that makes the change the lock on the door for BVD. So BVD should have a, a hard time getting in, but we wanted to make sure that, you know, Dr. Workman did a, a lot of work in the lab to show that that BVD really does have a hard time getting into these cells. It, it worked really well in the lab, but the, the proof has to be in the, the live animal if we want it to work in the field. So we needed to do a live animal challenge. There's a lot of different kinds of challenges that have been done out there. You can uh, you can do really simple ones where you just expose them at one point, just put some virus in their nose or something like that. But we wanted this one to be real life. So we we got a persistently infected calf. Uh, There's uh, and we actually they were in a in a room like a pen that was relatively small, and we put the calf in with with ginger and the control animal. And uh, we actually have some really good footage of the challenge taking place because there's a lot of nose to nose contact. So we were we were confident that they were exposed. So when an animal is first exposed to BVD, the virus replicates in the upper respiratory tract mm -hmm. and then makes its way into the blood. And the blood carries BVD throughout the body. And in the blood, BVD infects and kills the white blood cells. And so we looked for the presence of BVD in the blood of ginger and then our just normal wild type control calf to see is the virus making it into circulation. And what we found is that in Marianne, which is the name of our just normal <laughs> wild type control calf. I get it now. Marianne <laughs> ginger. I'm slow. but uh... <laughs> We could detect BVD in her white blood cells for about two weeks after the exposure. We could detect um, virus in her blood. Whereas for Ginger, we could never detect infectious virus in her blood and her white blood cells remained uninfected uh, during the entire course of our challenge study. So that has huge implications for controlling BVD and the spread of BVD. It's unbelievable. It's, it's so refreshing and so cool. So what's next? What's it? I, I think will... the, the big next step the big next question is that most important infection happens in that calf before it's born. Yep. And we have some plans to do some research to look at challenging heifers or, or cattle that are pregnant, carrying calves that are edited to find out if that edited uh, fetus can protect itself from the virus infection. We also, you know, we have one animal. Uh, that's one of the consequences of doing the the type of work we had to do. So it's really important. We want to make sure that but before people spend a lot of time and money adopting technology like this, that we have thoroughly assessed it. So we actually have a group of calves that are gestating right now. Uh, I think they're Angus calves. They're going to look a little different than the one we've got today. Um, and that we're going to redo the challenge. We're going to make sure that it, it works a couple of times and we're going to do it with a few more animals. But I think the key thing is to make sure that that edit will protect the calf in yep. utero to make sure that we break the chain of making new PIs, which is really where the leverage to, to stop BVD is. Absolutely. So. Well, thank you both for taking time out of your schedule. Thank you for being on the show. But most importantly, thanks for working together and bringing something to the industry that is just off the chart exciting.
Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Thanks for having us. So okay. thank you for watching Doc Talk. This has been maybe one of the most interesting shows I've ever got to do, um, and just a lot of fun here at the University of Nebraska. Thanks to USDA Meat Animal Research Center. Thank you to Great Plains Veterinary Education Center. Um, thanks for watching. If you want to find us on the web, you can find us at www.doctalktv.com. Always work with your local veterinarian. And I'm Dr. Dan Thompson with Dr. Brian Vanderlei and Dr. Aspen Workman, and we'll see you down the road. At Merck Animal Health, we're shaping the future of animal health with pioneering science, connected technology, and insights-driven solutions to bring our customers an unparalleled portfolio of choices to improve cattle care and operational efficiency. We support you and your legacy by helping you meet the challenges of today with the innovations of tomorrow.